Well, we continue with our COVID-19 coverage with officials from Baxter Regional Medical Center this morning. Joining us, President and CEO Ron Peterson, board-certified pathologist Dr. Christopher Webb, and Director of Marketing Tobias Pugsley. And Ron, we'll let you start with those latest statewide numbers this morning. Well, thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Uh, The state has tested 22,675 individuals. We have 21,055 negative results. So their confirmed cases are uh, statewide, 1,620. Of those 1,620 individuals, 83 are hospitalized, 21 are on ventilators, and uh, unfortunately our deaths are up to 37 now uh, in the state. On a county basis, we've tested 148 individuals, and uh, the number remains at four as far as positives, um, so 144 negatives. And as far as in the Baxter Regional System, we've tested 77 individuals. We have 76 negatives and one test still outstanding, so we have zero uh, confirmed cases at this moment. Well, Ron, uh, we know that uh, Baxter Regional had to once again make some difficult but necessary decisions yesterday. What can you tell us about the Arkansas Department of Health directive on elective surgeries and how that's impacted the hospital? Uh, Yes, the uh, Secretary of Health revised an earlier guidance, and he sent out a directive to uh, all health facilities uh, regarding uh, mandatory actions for elective surgeries, and basically that states, Brad, that the uh, procedures that can be safely postponed should be rescheduled. And uh, again, that's that's mandatory, and so this has uh, dropped our volume at Baxter Regional again. Overall, we're running between 35 to 40% below our expected volume levels right now, and uh, we continue to see that drop uh, basically on a daily basis. Now, Ron, the the media release uh, you guys sent out mentioned additional furloughs. How many additional employees are furloughed and from what departments? Yeah, Brad, that's what makes this this time and and this epidemic so difficult. We have so many good people working here at uh, Baxter Regional that this decision was very difficult, and we know that this does cause hardships on people. We do feel uh, very fortunate that the federal government is pitching in. Anybody who is furloughed can obviously uh, get workmen's, or uh, unemployment, excuse me, can collect unemployment, but then in addition, they can get an additional $600 a week from the federal government, and so that does uh, help with the thoughts, but uh, our first furlough Uh, was 105 individuals who were affected. Uh, This one that uh, we did this week, 175 individuals were affected. And, uh, Brad, we've uh, been not filling positions. There's always somebody who leaves uh, the organization. We have basically an average turnover rate. So there's always people leaving the organization, whether they quit or get fired or whatever. And so we have not filled 70 positions now. So that's a total of... uh, 350 positions, uh, or about 20% of our workforce. Well, obviously, the the question is, how does this impact uh, your planned response to COVID-19? You know, I, I want to make sure that people understand that, that uh, we do have good people working here, and they are still focused on taking good care of all of our patients, whether they're COVID-19 uh, <laughs> patients or patients who have uh, what I'll call typical uh, injuries or illnesses. And uh, we're here and able. We're able to surge uh, up. The the one thing nice about uh, the one thing about furloughs. There's nothing nice about furloughs, to be honest. But the one thing about furloughs is you can call 
people back, and people still do have uh, health insurance uh, through us at Baxter, but um, we can call people back. So if we do have a, a surge in the COVID cases, we believe that we could call enough people back to meet those surge needs. And also, though, uh, where, the, where our volumes are at currently, we can meet uh, any needs that people come into the hospital with. Okay. Dr. Webb, let's talk to you this morning. Can you give us an update about testing? Uh, any new developments since we last spoke? I, I believe there, there are probably a few that we want to inform the public about. And, and what, what I really want to say is that we do have testing in-house now. But, again, it's very limited. We, we don't have a large supply of testing kits. So we have to go by a list of priorities. So we, we're kind of reserving the in-house kits. It's a 45-minute test, rapid turnaround, but we're having to reserve those for patients that are in the hospital that may develop symptoms. We really need to identify those people quickly so that we can isolate them from other patients in the hospital. Uh, we want to reserve these tests from our medical personnel, whether it's nurses, uh, phlebotomists, doctors, whoever, um, and then we really want to reserve these in case there's a surge in a nursing home or an assisted living facility. It gets really frustrating, and I know I, I've talked to people that I, I know that you know you see on the news about there's this huge ramp up in testing, and this company's making millions of tests, and that company's making millions of tests, and that's true. And it's just as frustrating for me because. Unfortunately, all that testing is being diverted to areas with a much greater need. I mean, we've been holding at four cases in Baxter County for quite a while now, and that's a very optimistic thing for us. But unfortunately, the effect of that is we're not seen as a priority uh, when it comes for companies being able to share. And it's not the company's decisions a lot of times. The government's stepping in and telling them, we really need you to ship this testing elsewhere. Um, I know that... Um, Ron told me the other day, I believe, that we are getting one of the Abbott machines here. Uh, the federal government bought a lot of them, distributed them on, on a case-by-case -case basis to the states, allocated numbers out, and we're going to get one. The problem is it's probably going to sit on a shelf and collect dust for a while because we can't get any testing kits to even run it. So it's still a little frustrating in that regard, uh, but we do have limited ability to test in-house, and um, hopefully that's going to pick up. we just got to be patient and wait. Dr. Webb, we're hearing a lot about uh, antibody testing. Can you tell us about that, and if BRMC will have that capability anytime soon? Uh, that's a good possibility that we're going to get that. I can't say exactly how soon. I, we've been in touch with our vendor, um, and it's a smaller company, and they are working on a test that they hope to have available within a week or two. Um, being a smaller company, we actually are one of their larger clients. So they've indicated to us, and they've been very upfront with us about it, but they've indicated to us that, you know, we should be a high priority from their standpoint. Um, and the thing about the, serology, the, the antibody testing is um, there's a lot of good points and a lot of bad points. Um, it is a much more, or can be a much more rapid test. There are some serology or antibody tests. I'm going to probably say serology, just understand that means antibody test. There are some that offer five-minute turnaround times. It's easier to draw because you can get just a pinprick of blood. You don't actually have to get in somebody's face who may be coughing and sick. Um, so there are some positive things to it. 
the negative side of it is right now it's it's really the wild west out there um the fda there's such a need to get this serology test going the fda has even relaxed the rules even further on getting this test available um and so there are a lot of really good tests out there and there are a lot of really bad tests out there uh, we don't know a lot right now about the sensitivity and the specificity of the test how good they're going to be at picking up people who are sick um, so we're hoping that this will get worked out a little bit better before we are able to or, or get the test in-house so that we can know a little bit more about it. But we're hoping within a week or so to get um, maybe the serology test in-house. We just, we've just got to wait on our vendor and be patient. Well, Tobias, uh, we understand the, the hospital is updating the, the mask policy. Yeah, Brad, and I want to make it you know, clear, you know, I think every time we, we make any kind of adjustment to a policy or make any changes, I think it scares people, and I think they start to try to read into things. And, you know, what, what's really happened is the CDC has updated um, their infection control recommendations for healthcare facilities, and, and basically this is to address the asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic transmission that we're starting to hear more about. So whenever something like that comes down, we obviously, we, we talk about it with our COVID-19 task force. Um, we discuss it. We, we reach out to their hospitals. We find out what they're doing, and um, and then we, we we make a decision. So we've made the decision that um, as of uh, effective Monday, um, April 20th, we will start requiring our employees to wear a mask uh, upon entering the facility. And I want to make sure I make the distinction because there's clinical and non-clinical workers. So um, there's some differences for them. And the other change, we're going to require our patients and visitors will be asked to, to wear their own cloth mask or face covering upon arrival to the facility. And again, let me stress their own. So if they have a bandana or some kind of mask, we really would like for them to start wearing that into the hospital. And we're going to start making that a requirement for, for visitors. I just really feel like that that's an important step um, just for the protection of everybody. So what this also impacts in the community is, you know, we right whenever the sewn mask um, project started, we were inundated with masks and we had hundreds if not thousands pour in. Well, now that we've distributed those, you know, for instance, the, uh, the non-clinical uh, side of workers can use a cloth mask. We've, we've kind of went through a majority of those. So I'm, I'm asking the community for support again on that. If you've got fabric to donate or if you are um, one of the wonderful people out there sewing these masks, um, we could really use your help and, and, and use more of those. And um, there's information on our, on our website um, with patterns, um, information on where you know, if you just, maybe you can't sew and you just want to donate cloth, we're taking the, all that at the screeners, and that's at the emergency uh, entrance and the medical art entrance. They can drop off a bag with either the mask or the cloth, um, put a piece of paper in there with your name we'd like to, and your address. We'd like to send you a thank you. And, uh, and I per this is my personal plug, but I've been on the search, Brad, for an Arkansas Razorback uh, hand-sewn mask. <laughs> so anybody out there sewing Arkansas Razorback ones, uh, Tobias could sure use one. I'm getting Hello Kitty. <laughs> there you go. Hey, a follow-up question to that. What if someone shows up to the hospital and they do not have their own mask? Well, we're trying to work on that and, um, and see what we can do to, to try to provide. We really would like to stress that people try to bring their own. I, you know, I've been in the grocery store now. It seems like everybody's sort of wearing them. So um, we, we, uh, we're, we're going to work on that and see what we can do for people that just simply don't have the means or, or a mask to see what we can do to help them. Tobias, I understand there's a, a new hotline available for the community? There is, Brad. This is really exciting. You know, I think right now we're starting to hear and see, you know, people are struggling. Um, whether it's anxiety or, or they're getting used to, to 
now having to teach their kids at home, you know, through the AMI programs, or um, or maybe it's a even a senior citizen that's isolating in one of our assisted living homes and just, you know, everybody's just it's in a different mental state right now. So um, there's this wonderful hotline, and and I want to make sure that we use this as the ability to to promote really good resources out there. So this resource is, is launched, and it's called the Reach Center. And what, what people can do is they can call this hotline. It's available from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. The number is 870-706-9902. And what they do is they, they can help with referrals. They basically help connect you to, with resources. So maybe you need rental assistance or you need utility assistance or maybe they need to hook you up with food assistance or through the food bank. Um, maybe you need some help with unemployment and how to file that, or, or maybe you just need additional assistance. Um, we have worked very closely. You know, Randy Ludwig, we had um, had a, a huge part in this, Brian Barnett. Um, we've been, you know, working really close with, with the REACH team, and, um, and we've really we've tried to team them up to give them a direct line to our behavioral health resources and, and be able to be that resource for them. So we told them as, as part of that we would also help them support this and get the word out. So we're going to be posting some stuff on social media, and people can check that out on Baxter Regional. And also, just a real quick update for the community, we're also continuing to do 3D printing. And um, there's been a really great group started. It's called the Mountain Home Face Protection for Healthcare Group. And what we've done, and, and Allison Boots has, has driven this effort, but what she's done is she set this group up to hook up people who have the means and want to donate with people that have 3D printers and people that have the ability to buy the PETG filament that's needed to print these face shields. So it's, it's really, again, about connecting resources, and, um, and that's what that group's called. So Mountain Home Face Protection for Healthcare Group, if you want to donate, um, we're running those through our foundation and um, helping them secure that filament, or maybe you have a 3D printer sitting on the shelf and you want to help the cause. Um, you can find out information and get hooked up with people there. But I just want to thank the community for their prayers and support. You know, um, every day um, we get through, every day is one day closer um, being on the other side of this thing, and we just really appreciate um, people stepping up and, and want everybody to feel confident that, you know, we've, we've got this. We've, our doctors, our nurses, our housekeeping, food service, I mean, we've been preparing for this, and, um, and, and we're going to continue to be ready um, in, in the case that something happens. Tobias, once again, what's that number? The hotline number is five zero. Sorry, eight seven zero five zero eight seven zero zero one. And I want to make it very clear. You know that is for um, for resources. We have another hotline that we've been talking about for quite a while now. That is the COVID nineteen hotline. And what that is is people that have symptoms or concerns with coronavirus that they might have them or need to know. Do I need to go to my primary care doctor or come to the ER? They call that hotline. That's the COVID-19 hotline, and that one is 870-508-7001, and that operates from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So I want to make the distinction between the two because we don't want to confuse people. All right. Ron, we've covered a lot this morning. Anything else we need to mention? Um, you know, Brad, I've, I've been here 13 years, and uh, I have always, from the beginning, been so impressed with how this community joins together, uh, fights a cause, uh, cares about other people in the community, and always is willing to volunteer and always willing to reach out. And that's what we need during this COVID ep epidemic or pandemic, I should say. And I know that um, 
that our community does this so well. And we would just want to say thank you so much for everybody doing their part, whether it's staying at home and not roaming, whether it's sewing the masks, whether it's donating money. We, we just appreciate everything that the community is doing. And I know that together we're going to make it through this. You bet, guys. Hey, thank you for the time. Great information this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.